that music makes me want to dance. <laughs> the only problem is I may have a whip, but I ain't got a nay-nay. <laughs> what is he talking about? <laughs> hey, just in case you didn't know, um, it is appropriate once our pastor or pastor emeritus have, he, once he and his wife has a 50-year anniversary, it's good to show our appreciation by walk up in, walking up to our pastor emeritus and giving him a wet kiss right on the forehead. <laughs> so if you get a chance today to show your appreciation for what Karen has gone through, just give Pastor Rock a big kiss right, right there on the forehead. He'll really appreciate that. So like Pastor Blaine stated, I do have the privilege of continuing our sermon series titled, He Said What? Where we are highlighting tough talk from Jesus. Now today we're going to study the ninth chapter of Luke, where we find some of Jesus' hardest saying on discipleship that challenges us on how we think about what it means to follow Jesus. So starting in Luke chapter 9, verse 57, it says this, and as they were walking along the road, a man said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. He said to another man, follow me. But he replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury the dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Of God. Now, reading this in, the, in that first blush, Jesus' response seems more discouraging than encouraging and may appear as though he was pushing people away. But today's study will show that Jesus was actually drawing people to himself by sharing the critical aspects of discipleship and what it truly means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Church family, Let's pray. Well, Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this day that is filled with your mercy, your kindness, and your love. God, I thank you for this opportunity to share with your people what you have shared with me. I pray, God, that you forgive me for any sin I may have committed that will block the Holy Spirit's work inside of me. Lord, I pray that as I speak, that your word goes forward with power, but also with love. Let it fall on good soil so that it can take root and we can all be followers of Jesus Christ. So Lord, my request right now is to have your way in this place. And I pray all this in Jesus' name, amen. amen. Hey, now again, starting with Luke chapter nine, verse 57. Again, it says this. As they were walking along the road, a man said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. Now, when we look at the corresponding verses in Matthew chapter 8, starting with verse number 20, it informs us that it was, this man was actually a scribe. And scribes in ancient Israel were religious elite and had many roles, that, and, and some of those roles included um, studying the Bible, they would transcribe it, and they would write commentary on it. So at first blush, it would seem as though this scribe would be a great asset 
to sharing and spreading the good news of Jesus Christ. Especially when you compare him to someone like Peter, who was simply a fisherman. However, most of the scribes were no friends of Jesus. And the Bible lets us know that they were hypocrites because they were more interested in serving men than they were in pleasing God. And it was the scribes that actually questioned Jesus' authority and were instrumental in making a case for his crucifixion. And if you continue to read through scripture, you'll realize that Jesus actually rebuked them on more than one occasion. But interestingly enough, this particular scribe wanted to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, and Jesus did not say no. However, Jesus did want to make sure that the scribe knew exactly what he was asking for. So when he asked Jesus to follow him, Jesus replied with this. He says, foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Now, to be very clear, Jesus is not saying that in order to be a disciple, you will become homeless and live in poverty. Actually, he chose this language because the scribes were among the wealthy citizens of that day. And Jesus was basically saying to him that if you want to follow me, you will have to forego some of life's comforts. Why? Because of this first point. Following Jesus requires us to deny ourselves. And we have to do this in two ways. First, it requires us to deny ourselves of worldly comforts. And next, we have to deny ourselves of self-rule. And it's basically saying to ourselves that I am no longer in charge of my life. And for Jesus, I am ready to endure suffering, shame, and even opposition. See, it's interesting because Jesus made this same point. In this same chapter, talking to this same group of people. And we see starting in verse number 23, he says this. Then he said to them all, whoever wants to be my disciples must do what? Deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. See, oftentimes when we see that word deny ourselves, we interchange it with the word self-denial. And we have to be very careful about that because those two words mean something very different. And it's important that when we, when we want to follow Jesus, we differentiate between me as a believer denying myself and me as a believer exercising self-denial. And I love the way that Neil, Arm, Neil Anderson put it in his book, Bondage Breakers. Look, he says this. He says, denying yourself is not the same as self-denial. Every student, athlete, and cult member practices self-denial, restricting themselves from substance and activities which keep them from reaching their personal goals. But the ultimate purpose of that kind of self-denial is actually self-promotion. To receive the top grade, to break a record, to achieve status and recognition. But then he goes on to say this, to deny ourselves is to deny self-rule because dying to self is the primary battle 
of our spiritual life. See, interestingly enough, Neil Anderson is talking about denying ourselves to obtain spiritual freedom from bondage. But I believe that Jesus is saying the same thing because he's letting us know that in order to follow him, we have to deny life's comforts and worldly possessions because those things can easily become idols. If we're not careful, we cling to them for affirmation, for self-worth, and we showcase our home, our cars, our clothes as trophies, as a job well done by me. And in our pursuit for earthly idols, we exercise self-denial for the mere purpose of self-gratification. And look, let me say this. This problem is not exclusive with people who have means. Even those that are living below the poverty line create idols out of worldly possessions. So Jesus is telling the scribe that in order to follow him, he needs to be ready to deny himself of the world's comfort and be comfortable living a simple life and to deny himself of self-rule and allow Jesus and Jesus alone to sit on the throne. See, it's only through denying ourselves do we crucify our flesh. And as we crucify our flesh, it draws us closer into intimacy with God moves us closer to his face where we can ultimately see our, our God face to face. So following Jesus requires us to deny ourselves. But the scripture goes on to say this, and starting with verse 59, it says that he said to another man, follow me. But he replied, but he replied, Lord, first let the dead First, let me go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the gospel of God. See, in studying this passage, you'll find different explanations of what it means for the man to say, uh, let me go bury my father. Some say that the man's father was already dead. Others say that his father was sick and he just wanted to go home, be with his dad until his dad passed away. Now, in my mind, the text is not clear. But what is clear is the man's response to Jesus. And when, he, when Jesus requested that this man follow him, the man basically are saying, I want to follow you, but I have more important things to do first. And in my mind, at this point in the scripture, this is where I can see Jesus leaning forward to the man pointing his finger in his face, wagging his finger at this man. And Jesus says to this man here, he says, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Now, at that point, I can imagine the looks on everyone's face when Jesus said that to that man. I can imagine them just whispering to one another, did you hear what Jesus just said? He said, what? Is Jesus actually saying that this man should not go to his dad's funeral? Isn't one of the Ten Commandments that we should honor our father and our mother? I cannot believe Jesus just said this to this man who clearly loves his father. I can imagine the look on each and every one of their faces. But this exchange right here, 
highlights a question that we all grapple with as followers of Jesus Christ. And that question is, as a disciple of Jesus Christ, who comes first? Is it our family or is it Jesus Christ? Which brings us to our next point. See, church family, following Jesus requires us to make him our number one priority. So yes, it is good for us to bury our loved ones. There are a lot of things that we can and should do, and Jesus actually instructs us to do some of those things. However, there is no good thing that should take place of the actual, actual best thing, which is our ability as believers in Jesus Christ to intuit the Holy Spirit, walk in obedience and not understanding, and follow Jesus wherever he leads. And that's what Jesus was saying to this man. What Jesus was saying is, let the spiritually dead attend to the routine tasks of life, while those who are spiritually alive follow me. Now, the question on the table is, well, what does it mean to be spiritually alive? Let me quickly explain. See, when God breathed into Adam the breath of life, Adam was born both physically and spiritually alive because his soul was in union with God. See, we were never designed to be separated from God or be independent from God. But because of Adam's disobedience, everyone who was born is now born physically alive, but also spiritually dead, which means we are separated from God. However, when we are born again, our soul is now united back with God, and we become alive spiritually, as alive as Adam was in the garden before he sinned. So this is what Jesus is saying to the man. He's saying, if you believe on me as the scripture has said, and you freely surrender your will for my will, the will of God becomes your priority. And as a disciple of Jesus Christ, he and he alone becomes the ruler of your life. So let me be very clear here. God wants us, and he even commands us, to care for the needs of our family but we should not neglect our spiritual calling in the process. You see, it doesn't matter if this man had to miss his dad's funeral. It doesn't matter if he had things at home to take care of. Following Jesus is more important than all of those matters. But here's the good news, church family. When Jesus does become our number one priority, he will never call us away from our family. He actually reunites us with our family. And making Jesus our number one priority does not absolve our responsibility as a father, as a mother, as a husband, or as a wife. As a wife. So Jesus is not suggesting that you spend all of your time at church and away from your family. Neither is he suggesting that you take your family and you take them to church and you're sitting in church seven days a week. We always have to remember what 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 8 says, and it says this. If anyone does not provide for his relatives, look at this, it's, and especially for his immediate family, look what the Bible says. He has denied the faith and he is worse off than an unbeliever. So in order for us to live that scripture, we have to remember these three things. First, making Jesus a priority will never pull you away from God's design of the family. 
Why? Because both marriage and parenthood reveal God's character like nothing else in creation. Number two, making Jesus your number one priority allows the Holy Spirit to give us discernment between balancing when to discern inside of our home and when to discern outside of our home. It will never allow you to, dis to disciple outside of your home without discipling inside of your home. If you feel that God is calling you to do more work outside and less work inside, let me tell you, that's not God. If God is telling you to spend all your time taking your kids to church without spending time with them at home, let me tell you, that's not God. Don't blame negligence on God. He will not pull us away from our family God's design is for us to be a family. And when we do that, we will see our family grow in the grace and in the love of God. And finally, making Jesus our number one priority is not putting Jesus at the top of our list. I heard that for years. Jesus has to be number one on your list. Everything you do, Jesus has to be at the top of your list. And what happens is when we think that way, we begin to check boxes off. Well, Jesus is at the top of my list. So I get up in the morning, I do my devotion, I read my scripture, I drink my coffee, and then all of a sudden I'm good and I go about with the rest of my day. Because why? Jesus is at the top of my list. So Jesus doesn't need to be at the top of the list. What Jesus needs is to be at the center of everything that we do. He is like the hub and every spoke that comes out of him has to be seen through the lens of serving God first. So he's not at the top of the list. He's in the center of me and my family. He's at the center of me and my job. He's at the center of my relationship with my sisters and brothers. He's at the center of everything that I do. And I go to Jesus first and everything outside of that flows from my relationship with God. And when Jesus becomes the center of everything that I do, I find myself actually getting more done. Look, listen, I don't know how to explain this. I don't know how it works. But there is, there's a mystery and a miracle in getting more done by spending more time with Jesus. I just can't explain it. But the more time I spend with Jesus, the more productive I am at work. The more time that I spend with Jesus, I find myself spending more time with my family. When you spend your time with Jesus, he will prioritize everything around you because he is the hub and every spoke that you have will flow from that relationship with God. So don't make Jesus the number one thing on your list. Make Jesus the number one thing in your life. So let me pause for a second and ask you this. Have you ever read a scripture, and when you read that scripture, like, man, this is exactly my life. There's some scripture I read, and it just speaks directly to me. It's like looking in a Bible and looking in a mirror, and I can see myself in the characters inside the Bible. Well, you know what? This story does that for me. Around seven years ago, the Lord called my wife, Lisa, into full-time ministry. And God spoke to her and told her to follow him by quitting her job after, being, after working 22 years with the Pittsburgh Public Schools and raise her support as an urban missionary. And so in my mind, I'm thinking, God, you must got the wrong number. <laughs> Not because she wasn't capable of it. It was that whole 50% pay cut thing that I was just grappling with. But the bottom line was I was in a position 
that we can do that because I made enough money to, to and listen to this, I made enough money to maintain the quality of life that we had. And at that point, that was the thing that was on my mind. If my wife were to take a pay cut, how can we maintain the quality of life that we had? So it was okay. She was able to quit her job. She followed God. She became an urban missionary. We moved back into the city after that. And she began to follow Jesus. And all was good because, again, we were able to maintain the quality of life that we had. The more I say it, the worse it sounds. But then a year later, I'm grappling with this burden that I have because now I feel the Lord calling me into full-time ministry. And I'm like, whoa, hold on. My wife just took a 50% pay cut, and Lord, you're calling me in a ministry, and I tell you, church family, I grappled with that. I was struggling with that. And this is the crazy part. For years, I was already ministering in the church out through Cain, and I would teach people about faith. I would tell people to step out of the boat. I would tell people they need to follow Jesus. So I was real good at telling people to do it. But when Jesus said it was your turn, I was like, whoa, bro. That's not for me, that's for them. So I got to the point where I did tell my wife one day we were out walking, and I said, babe, look, I just got to let you know, um, I feel that God has been calling me to full-time ministry. And these were my words. I said, I have resolved in my spirit that I'm ready for ministry full-time. Lisa looked at me. She said, what you talking about, Willis? (laughs) And I said, it's just something I've been grappling with, but I'm okay with it now because when I look at God's resume, I see that he has never failed us yet. So shortly after that, my wife and I are here on a Thursday evening. If you guys remember, Thursday was uh, PBI, Pennsylvania Bible Institute. My wife was attending a women's Bible study. And so we're sitting in the UP Cafe, and Pastor Blaine comes up. Look, when you see Pastor Blaine approaching you, you run. (laughs) Just go go in a different direction. So he comes to our table, and he says, Ross, you mind if I have dinner with you and your wife? So we're like, no, sit down. Have a seat, bro. I said, bro? He said, Pastor Rock and I were talking, and um, we want to know, what do you feel God is calling you to do? And my wife and I, we looked at each other like, what? What? It was almost like Lisa Tapman was like, he said, what? And I'm like, Blaine, I just told my wife a couple weeks ago. This wasn't months and months away. It was just a couple weeks ago. I said, I just told my wife that I have resolved in my spirit that I'm ready for ministry full time. See, what happened was when God had called me, he was already working it out. I wasn't looking for a job. I didn't need a job. But God was already preparing a place for me to serve. He was waiting for me to be obedient and walk by faith and not by sight. So when I did that, I ended up joining staff and Rock said, it's time for me to retire. (laughs) That's why I want you guys to kiss him on the forehead when you see him. So I had to get to this point where it was no longer about me having a quality of life, but about us as a family following Jesus. I didn't know where Jesus was going to take us. We had to move. We had to take a pay cut. And look, I am proud to stand here uh, today to say 
although we have less income, our quality of life has skyrocketed. The joy that God has given us has exceeded our expectation. And it's all because we decided to follow Jesus. We had to make Jesus our number one priority. And I'm going to tell you this. As a family, there is no greater gift you can give to your children. There is no greater gift you can give to your neighbors or your loved ones than to allow them to see you follow Jesus. I wasn't looking for a job. I was comfortable where I was at. But God said, follow me. And what I had to do was realize that following Jesus requires me to deny myself. That following Jesus requires me to make him my number one priority. And when I did that, I actually began to spend more time with my family. I am more busy now than I have ever been in my career. You work with Blaine, you don't get sleep. (laughs) However, There is a mystery and a miracle in getting more work done, spending more time with your family by spending more time with Jesus. I can't explain it. I can't figure it out. It actually doesn't make any sense. But God has a way of working it out. Now, look, God caught me in a full-time ministry. But for the majority of you here, you may never have to work with Blaine. But know this, if you have the gift of the Holy Spirit, there is something God is calling you to do. And let me say this to all of those who have gray hair like me. Just because you're old doesn't mean this message is for someone else. For all of you older people out there, God is still calling you to impact the kingdom of God. You need to position yourself to step out on faith because these young people need to hear from you. They need to hear how you put your faith in God. They need to hear how God healed your body. They need to hear how God didn't heal your body, but yet you're still following him and worshiping him because you know your healing is coming another day. There's young people need to hear from you. God wants you and we need you. So do not think that this message is only for the 40 and under. This message is for all my AARP people. There is no expiration date on following Jesus. And so if you have the Spirit of God, God is calling you to do something. Do know, because God resides inside of you, because the Holy Spirit resides inside of you, you are an expert in something. There is something that you can do and something that you can do that nobody else can do. And do know, just like God showed me, he's already paved the way for you to walk in your calling. All you have to do is make him your number one priority and deny yourself. Imagine that. Imagine if this whole church decided to step out on faith and do what God has called him to do. Imagine how we can impact the world. So do not make the same mistake I did. Don't grapple with your calling. Don't ignore your calling. Yes, we have our due diligence to do. We got to look at our finances and make sure that everything is in order. But even when it doesn't make any sense, if you feel God is calling you, step out and follow him. Don't try to figure it out. 
Don't try to map it out. There's no PowerPoint presentation or no visual diagram you could create to follow Jesus. It just requires a little bit of faith. God has already worked it out. All you got to do is just walk in it. And as you're walking, you may not see the cement nice and paved, but every step you take, it becomes more clear and more clear and more clear that God is in it. All you got to do is walk. So as we go back to our lesson, we see that we have a picture of two different disciples. We have the eager disciple who volunteered to follow Jesus anywhere that Jesus went until Jesus warned this man that following Jesus may lead to an uncomfortable life because he had to deny himself. See, in his approach to discipleship, he was moving too fast. And Jesus had to caution him to consider the cause because he didn't want him to serve out of selfish reasons. So he was the reluctant disciple. Who, he was the eager disciple who was moving too fast. But then we have the man who was the reluctant disciple. And when uh, he commanded, when, God, when Jesus commanded him to follow him, he told Jesus he had more important matters to take care of first. See, while the eager disciple was moving too fast, the reluctant disciple was moving too slow. Because in his mind, his earthly duties were more important than his spiritual duties. So God isn't looking for an eager disciple. He's not looking for a reluctant disciple. But he's looking for a willing disciple. Are you willing to answer the call that God has placed on your life? Don't make excuses about your home. God will take care of that. Don't make excuses about your, God, your job. God will take care of that. God is looking for willing disciples who are ready and willing to deny themselves and to make Jesus their number one priority. It may not be a call into ministry, but it is a call to change the world and to glorify God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, it is a struggle to answer your call. Lord, if I'm very honest, I sometimes still struggle with it because of insecurities, because of comparing myself with others. It's often hard to follow you but God, I thank you for your spirit. Your Holy Spirit gives us the fuel to follow you even when it doesn't make sense. So Heavenly Father, I pray right now that everyone who is sitting under the sound of my voice, whether here in person or online, that when they move forward, they don't move forward like their eager disciple, nor move forward like the reluctant disciple. But God, I pray they become the willing disciple. And they answer that call to follow you wherever you lead. God, I could testify that it's a wonderful calling. It's a beautiful calling. It's not always easy, but your spirit gives us that joy, unspeakable joy. So Heavenly Father, 
have your way amongst all these people. Whether they feel the burden or whether they hear your voice, help them to answer the call today so that each and every one of us can lock arms and we can all go and spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. So we thank you and we love you. And I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.